So this morning, we are continuing. We've been going through, uh, by the way, uh, if this is your first time visiting, welcome. Uh, we're glad you came. Glad you have <clears throat> found us. We hope you will consider making us your home church. Um, but um, we have been going verse by verse through the book of John. And we are up to chapter 18 and verse 1. And uh, in this passage, it's Jesus getting arrested. John doesn't have all the same details that all the other Gospels have. Doesn't, uh, doesn't even uh, um, have show Jesus uh, or record Jesus praying in the garden and the agony that he went through in the garden. He, he eliminates, he doesn't even record all of that. But he does record Judas coming. So let's begin. Chapter, one, chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he had just prayed and uh, gone through the discourse, uh, chapters uh, 15. The funny thing is, in chapter 14, he says, I don't have much more to say, but then he's got chapter 15, 16, and 17. <laughs> really? Okay, well, that sure sounds like a lot of stuff. But be that as it may, he's finished speaking. He says, okay, let's go. He went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron. He had to go down into the valley. And uh, I read somewhere that that was actually the sewer. Which is kind of disgusting, but... <laughs> he goes back up the other side and he goes to the garden. There was a garden, and we know it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And one commentator said that this garden was probably privately owned, and it was probably owned by one of Jesus' benefactors, one of Jesus' supporters, and he had permission to go there all, went there often, it says. There was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Let's stop right here for just a minute. What it's saying there is that Jesus had a habit of going to this place. And he knew that Judas was going to find him. He knew Judas was about his business. He knew Judas was up to no good. And he went there anyway, knowing that Judas was going to come with all of the group that he's got there. In uh, one of the other Gospels, it says that... Uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, religious authorities didn't want to arrest Jesus during the festival because they didn't want to riot. So, these guys are smart. Ooh, we'll go arrest him at night when there's nobody around. So this is what they're doing. But listen to what Matthew Henry's commentary says. He said, and this, when Jesus goes there, he's coming forth, he's going out like a champion, and he takes the field first. He goes out. Anybody ever been to a football game or a, or a hockey game or any sporting event? They announce all, all the guys come running out. Oh, yeah, rah, rah, rah. Here's our team. And here's, our, here's the captain of the team. And here's Jesus. He knows what's going to happen. And he goes out boldly. Amen? Hallelujah. But they avoided a riot. And Jesus avoided the riot by going to the garden also. He goes out of the city. But interestingly, this met there often means it was a habit. 
There's a saying that says thoughts become actions, actions become habits, and habits become your character. It's a good thing to have godly habits, amen? We notice in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, and previous to that, the writer of the letter explains the privileges of full assurance that we have and access to God's throne and all that the kingdom has available to us, like I just read in, in Psalm 84. No good thing will he withhold from us. And then it says, based on all of God's faithfulness, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus is going to come back someday. Amen. A glorious day that will be for believers, a terrible day for unbelievers. But he is coming back and the day is getting closer and closer. You don't have to look very far. Just read the news. world's going crazy again. But he goes out and he understands, Jesus knows now that he's going to fulfill. He, he enters the garden and he knows that he's going to fulfill his destiny. He will now go and offer himself up in discharging his office as the priest, the high priest, our high priest. Because in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 12, it says that Jesus entered once for all into the holy place with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption for everyone who puts their trust and faith in Jesus. Amen? Isn't that a wonderful thing that Jesus paid the price for every single person on the planet Earth? Hallelujah. Interestingly, Judas, nice guy. Everyone knows Judas. Now it's a bad name. Because of this, there was a, uh, a group or uh, some missionaries that went into the uh, highlands of uh, Papua New Guinea. And uh, they learned the culture and the language, and they tried to explain the gospel. And when they got to this part about Judas betraying Jesus, the natives thought that was great because that was how their culture was. And eventually what happened is that the uh, tribes, they were cannibals. They invited one of the other tribe members to another tribe, and they killed him and ate him, and it started a war. And so the missionaries told both tribes, they said, you know what, if you don't stop this war, we are pulling out, we're taking all of our medicine that we've been giving you, and we're leaving. And fortunately for these people, they had a, 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 a deal in their culture called the peace child. In order to replace the man that was killed and eaten, somebody in that other tribe had to give up one of their baby children to make peace. And that's how they got the gospel to go into their tribes. Because Jesus is our peace child. God gave us His Son to make peace with us. Amen? Praise God. What a wonderful thing. Hallelujah. So Judas is coming along. He was only the treasurer during the time he was with Jesus. I was the treasurer for the Carpenters Union and the headquarters and the main offices in Phoenix, so I didn't really get to do much treasuring. 
not only that, every time we went had a, a, an, an executive board meeting, they would forget the R on the end of the word, and they'd, they'd, they'd call roll call, Jokobo, treasure, not treasurer. I was the treasure. <laughs> so Judas, he's the treasurer, and he has procured a band of soldiers. Now, this is interesting. If you look it up, uh, what this is, because they didn't want to have a riot, they had a garrison of Roman soldiers in Jerusalem at this time. And Rick Renner's uh, commentary, he says that this bunch of soldiers is anywhere from three to 600 fully armed, highly trained Roman soldiers. These are guys that you don't mess with. And they're going to go arrest Jesus. Not only that, but he's got some officers and, uh, from the chief priests. These are police, temple police. You've heard of the, the uh, morality police over in Saudi Arabia and Iran. One young lady, she wasn't wearing her headscarf right. They arrested her and they beat her to death and it caused riots. These are the kind of guys that are coming after Jesus. The, the morality police. Telling everybody what's wrong and right. This is a large group, 300, a military cohort, and they have the best weapons. And it says in one of the other Gospels, they've got torches and lanterns, and, and, and they've lit the place up. They're coming after Jesus, and they are going to get him. They are going to find him. You'll notice that these soldiers, this is the civil authorities, this is the, reg the government that's coming after him. And the officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, and by the way, this is the only time they pretty much agree, <laughs> the chief priests, the officers, this is the religious or the ecclesiastical authorities. Did you know that the Roman Catholic Church has its own laws? They have canon laws that govern every Catholic, and most Catholics have no idea. And I know this because I was raised as a Catholic and studied to be a Catholic priest for a year. So the, uh, the civil authorities, the, the, regular, real, the regular government, and the religious government are coming together in opposition to Jesus. Hallelujah. Mark's gospel, Matthew's gospel, and Luke's gospel, it says this is a massive crowd. In John's gospel, Jesus has already escaped four attempts on his life. And now they're coming. I find it really interesting that they're in a garden. Remember what happened in the first garden? The fall of man. <laughs> One time at my old house, we had rattlesnakes all over the place, and this rattlesnake came in the yard, and I had one of those long reach things, I grabbed it and it slipped through, but its head got stuck in there. Whoa. So I tossed it over the fence, boom, it landed like this and looked around. I told the snake, if you come back, I'm gonna have to kill you. So I went in the house and told Kathy and she says, my wife says to me, you know what happened last time somebody talked to a snake, don't you? <laughs> Needless to say, I went back outside, the snake was gone, but the snake did come back a while back later and I had to kill it. Anyway, so in a garden, the fall of man took place, and now here Jesus is in a garden, and he's wrestling. He's, he's, uh, he talks about the, uh, the agony in the garden and the other gospels where he's making the decision, I am going to go through with this. And it, it was gonna, it was, he knew what he was going to go through. It was going to be an unpleasant thing. 
How many of you ever been hit by something? <laughs> Jesus was beat, almost beat to death. And some, um, I was reading a, a history book that sometimes, I think it was in Josephus' uh, history of the Jews, sometimes when the Romans would scourge someone, it would kill them. Other times it would be so nasty that the, the soldiers who were doing the deed would get sick to their stomach. And Jesus knew what he was going to go through. But he went anyway. A massive crowd. So they came with lanterns and torches and weapons. Apparently, they thought Jesus was a really bad threat. So, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward. One day, I was out in the uh, Saguaro National Monument, and it was sunset. And you're not supposed to be out there after sunset. And so the park ranger comes up, puts his red and white, red and blue lights on like he's a cop and everything, and we're sitting there, and I got up and started walking towards him, and hi, and he got you know, taken aback, it's like, whoa, <laughs> I guess he, he felt threatened by little old me. It's like, I didn't know we're not supposed to be here, really. He says, so he calmed down, and uh, so this is the same thing Jesus did. He steps forward like a champion taking the field, undisturbed, according to Matthew Henry's commentary, and undaunted, he went out to meet them because he knew what was going to take place. <clears throat> Hallelujah. They wanted to take him by force and make him king. In, jo in John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 15, after feeding the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes, they want to take him by force and make him the king. And Jesus withdrew. He said, no, 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 no. It's not, that's not what's happening here. That's not what's going on. That's not the kingdom that I came to proclaim. That's what you guys think. And now... At this stage of the game, so to speak, he goes forth boldly, unconfidently. And here it is. Who are you looking for? Judas knew who he was. You. Yeah, you. Yeah, you're the one. Get him, guys. No. <laughs> he said, who are you looking for? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. Notice they don't say Jesus of Bethlehem. Oh, this is Jesus of Nazarene. One commentator says this is like an insult to him. He's not Jesus from Bethlehem because Jesus from Bethlehem would be the Messiah and we don't believe he's the Messiah. This is like an insult. Who are you looking for? They attempt to discredit him. You're not the Messiah. Jesus knew him. I'm sure some of the priests and the temple police, they've seen him before. They should be able to recognize him. Well, we don't know who we're looking for. Get Give me a break, you guys. You know who you're looking for. You know what he looks like. You've seen him before. There he is. And Jesus just comes out. Ha! Who are you looking for? And they said to him, Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus says, I am he. Now, if you notice in your Bible, this word he should be italicized, which means it's not in the original. This is a saying that Jesus had already proclaimed in John chapter 8, verse 58, when he told them, Before Abraham was, I am. 
And in John chapter 13, verse 19, after washing the disciples' feet, Jesus tells him, you guys, all this stuff's going to happen so that when it comes to pass, you will know that I am. And this is the Greek phrase, ego eomai, which means I am God, the same God that spoke to Moses in the burning bush. They understood what he was saying. And lo and behold, when Jesus said to them, I am, boom, they all drew back and fell to the ground. As they would say in modern times, they got slain in the spirit. Something knocked them all down. Boom, they fell flat on their backs. Can you imagine that over six, three to six hundred soldiers and then the priests and the officers and the police, boom, they all fall down. Well, what do you think about that, you guys? Huh? I can almost picture Jesus looking at him saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, come on, you want some of me? <laughs> Praise God. But no, they all fall down backwards. So Jesus asked them again, who are you looking for? And they say the same thing. Instead of saying, we want you, I can see them laying down there, you. <laughs> they say the same thing, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered and said, I told you that I am he, ego I. So if you seek me, let these men go. There's a big group of armed people there. And they could have taken everybody. Sometimes the police do that. They just round everybody up. The movie Casablanca, at the end of the movie, uh, Rick, Humphrey Bogart's character, shoots Major Strasser. And the chief of police uh, is standing there, and the, and, the, and the squad car pulls up. And he looks at Rick, and he looks at the other cops, and he says, Major Strasser's been shot. And he knows that Rick just shot him, and he just tells him, round up the usual suspects. <laughs> go, go capture everybody. But Jesus tells him, let these men go. Because Jesus had said before, of those whom the Father had given him, he lost no one. Apparently, Judas hadn't been given to him by the Father. <coughs> Jesus, this is the heart of Jesus. He understood that the rest of these disciples were not prepared to go through what he was going to go through, and they were not prepared to go through what they were going to go through after the resurrection. And so from the heart of Jesus, he says, let these people go because they have more work to do. There's something in the future for them. And then it goes on. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it out, Struck the high priest's servant, uh, cut off his right ear. He was probably aiming for his head, and the guy probably moved just a little bit. One of I got hit in the ear one time. Good thing I had a hard hat on, and we were stripping uh, forms from a bridge, and, and uh, a four-by-four four came, boom, hit me in the ear. Wow. Man. So I told my foreman, he said, oh, yeah, I seen a guy's ear just get ripped right off. We were playing in the playground, and it comes right off. Oh, well, I'm glad mine didn't. But Jesus cut the ear, or Paul cut Peter, sorry, cut this guy's ear off. <clears throat> and there, what does Jesus do? In the other gospel, it says he 
put it back on. These guys are going to arrest him. He's already demonstrated his power by knocking them all down, just saying, I am. And then he heals this guy's ear. Now, John is the only one who says the name of this servant. This is the high priest's servant. And he, Peter probably hit this guy because he was probably one of the first people to come out against Jesus. Yep, they all stood finally back up. The funny thing is, or the interesting thing is, Rick Renner's um, commentary says that this uh, sword that Peter got uses a specific word for this sword. It was a Roman soldier's sword. So Peter... And in the other Gospels, it says that Jesus said, you know, we got two swords, that's enough. But Rick Renner thinks that because it was a Roman soldier's sword, that he grabbed one of the soldier's sword when he was down on the ground. May or may not have happened that way, but <clears throat> at least the guy's ear got put back on him, man. <laughs> Again, whom do you seek? Same insult. In Luke's Gospel, it says they had two swords. And <laughs> and someone had already asked, should we, should, we, uh, you know, should we attack Jesus? And Jesus said, no, no. But before he could get the words out, Peter already sprung into action. That's how Peter was, you know, the Bible said. He's the only one that got out of the boat to walk on the water. This is Peter. He's actually, and unfortunately, <laughs> he doesn't get it. By fighting the Romans and the, and the people that came to arrest Jesus, Peter is actually fighting against God's will. Amen? This is the same thing when Peter says, oh, who do you men say I am? And, and Peter said, Jesus asked the question, and Peter says, you're the, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus tells him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for God has, not, has revealed this to you. And then uh, next thing Jesus says, okay, now we're going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to get killed. And Peter starts rebuking him. No, you're not going to do that. <laughs> Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. One minute he's saying, you got a revelation from God. The next minute, Peter's getting called the devil. <laughs> so this is, here's Peter, here in the garden. No, 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 we don't want Jesus arrested. Let's get him. And you're fighting against the will of God, Peter. If you're going to do something for God, make sure you hear God correctly. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> So, the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. They weren't supposed to bind him unless he was condemned. However, first they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Do you remember that? They're all, the, the Sanhedrin is debating. Oh, we've got to get rid of this guy, Jesus. He's doing too many miracles. This is terrible, terrible. He's going to take our place away, and the Romans will come and take us away. These guys weren't even following the rules. Caiaphas wasn't supposed to be the high priest. They were appointed by the Romans. It was supposed to be that God chose the high priest, and the high priest was supposed to be in that position for a lifetime. The captain, they bound him as though he was already condemned. Romans, <clears throat> or the, the, uh, the reason they had this captain here, he was, uh, the uh, Greek word for him was a chiliarchos, a commander of a thousand. So this is a big shot. 
Roman soldier. And the reason that this big shot Roman soldier was out there is because the Jews were able to convince the Romans that Jesus was such a dangerous individual. They thought it was so important that they should have this big shot Roman soldier come with them because Jesus was dangerous. They, they thought it was a case of sedition. You know, they're, they're going to overthrow the government and we don't want that to happen. But without a proper trial, Jesus was already condemned. In John chapter 11, excuse me, verses 49 through 52, the Sanhedrin was meeting and Nicodemus says, you know, we shouldn't condemn him without a trial and and uh, he gets insulted. And then Caiaphas says, you guys don't know nothing. It's better if one person dies for the whole nation. But he did not say this of his own accord. Miraculously, being the high priest that year, in verse 51 of John's Gospel, chapter 11, it says that he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. Isn't that amazing? An unrighteous man prophesying the truth of God. That blows my mind. We were at Bible study uh, or uh, the men's meeting yesterday, and I, I remembered I read somewhere um, I don't know where it was. Somebody made this statement that uh, Satan knows the Bible, and he's a better theologian than you and I. Amen. <laughs> the problem is he doesn't love God. That's the problem, and he can twist scriptures around. That's why we need to study. Amen? Praise God. Not only would that Jesus, did he prophesy that Jesus would die for the nation, but also that he would, the reason Jesus would die, the one man for everyone, is to gather together in one all the children of God who were scattered abroad. Not only at that point in time, but for eternity. Remember the promises to you and to your children and to those who are far off as many as the Lord our God shall call. So they go, they arrest him, and they bring him to first Anna's house, and then Simon Peter followed, and they entered the courtyard of the high priest. So they go to the, the father-in-law's house first, and then they go to the high priest's house. <clears throat> Simon Peter followed Jesus, wanted to see what's going on, see what's happening, what's going to be the end of this. And then he go to the courtyard. And there, that disciple, so did another disciple. Now, it doesn't say who it is exactly. Most Bible commentators believe it was John who's writing because sometimes John spoke of himself in the second person or whatever they called it. He, this disciple, entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. He was known to the high priest. That's amazing. That's why some people, some commentators think it might have been Nicodemus or Joseph of Arimathea. But I believe it was John. And Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, I don't know why he repeats it, but he does, went out, I guess it's important, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. A servant girl watching the door. This was apparently customary. But <clears throat> brave Peter comes in. Oh, okay. <laughs> and the servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? And Peter says, I am not. Oh, 
Peter gets all scared and freaked out. Here, a few minutes ago, he's ready to kill people with a sword, and now he's, uh, he's scared half to death. So, no, no, I'm not one of his disciples. Some, a, a servant girl comes up to him. Not like some, one of the big uh, killer uh, Roman soldiers. Hey, you, you are with him. No, the servant girl. And, and Peter freaks out. No, no, not me. Nope. Not me. The beginning of Peter's denial here. Now the servants and officers made a charcoal fire. One commentator says, this is really interesting because John specifically tells them what kind of fire it is. It's like, you've got all the details. Because it was cold. Well, that's a good idea to make a fire. And they were standing, warming themselves. Peter was also with them standing and warming himself. One Bible commentator I read, he said, you know, you should never warm yourself by your enemy's fire. That's a bad place to be. Your enemy, they're, they're watching. Amen? Don't form yourself by the enemy's fire. It's a bad place to be. <laughs> the high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teachings. Notice they don't question Jesus about his miracles. Oh, we don't want to bring that up. That, that might, might prove stuff. Signs and wonders prove the power of God. So they question Jesus. They don't question anyone else. They're asking him because they're looking to... We, thank God we have the Fifth Amendment here in the United States. <laughs> they didn't have the Fifth Amendment over there. They're asking Jesus. So they're trying to get him to incriminate himself. And his reply, he said... I've spoken openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple. And when all the Jews come together, I said, nothing in secret. Why, ask me. Ask those who heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. Now, this is very interesting because in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 6, and Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, when the death penalty was uh, going to be uh, administered, you had to have two or three witnesses that would testify that this is what was going on and this is what happened. Here, totally illegally, he, they're asking Jesus. They already have their mind made up. They're going to have him killed. They're going to execute a death penalty on him. And instead of finding two or three witnesses, Jesus, he says, find two or three witnesses. You guys want to kill me? Do it the right way. But no, they don't. They won't. In essence, because they're not asking his disciples, they're mocking the disciples. <laughs> we don't have any of your disciples here. The cowards all ran away. We're going to ask them. They had already, in John chapter 9, verse 22, they had all the Sanhedrin had already ordered excommunication to anyone who confessed Jesus. It was not unusual in those days to have disciples. We know Paul was a disciple of Gamaliel, or however you say his name. But Jesus forgives them. That amazing. <laughs> 
What a wonderful Savior we have. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, Jesus says, or Paul, Peter writing about Jesus, this Peter is the eyewitness. And Peter says, when Jesus was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges rightly. Numbers chapter 35, verse 30 also says, one witness is not sufficient testimony against a person for the death penalty. It goes on. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 8, he was taken from confinement or arrest and from proper judgment. And we'll finish up here. When Jesus said these things, one of the officers standing by slapped Jesus in the mouth. Bam! What? And he said, is that how you answer the high priest? Remember Jesus said, turn the other cheek? Well, guess what? Jesus didn't turn the other cheek here because this was unrighteous. And he tells him, if what I said was wrong, bear witness of the wrong, but if what I said is right, why do you strike me? An unrighteous and unjust trial, not according to the proper procedures. Matthew Henry says that it was cowardly to strike a prisoner whose hands were tied. Jesus standing there, he's, hand, he's bound still. And this guy, tough guy, slaps Jesus. He's jealous for the high priest. Jesus didn't even have a chance to duck. You know, there's some guy over in Japan. He, you pay so much money, put on boxing gloves, and you try to hit him, and he wobbles all over the place, and nobody can hit him. Jesus didn't have that chance. He was bound, and the guy slapped him for no reason, no good reason. Taken from confinement and arrest and from proper judgment, but he did it for our sake. <clears throat> Amen. Thank God that Jesus went through what he did to procure and to, how else can you say it? What's a better word than procure? To cement and solidify and make it sure and certain salvation is in Jesus and Jesus alone. There's no other way, nor the name given among men whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, you must be born again. So thank God that Jesus went through this trial because there's more to come after this. The beating, the, the scourging, the mocking, everything that horrible people could do to anyone, they all did it all to Jesus. And he knew it was going to happen and he did it willingly. What a wonderful Savior you have. Can you say amen?